Back in 1962, or 61 or 62, around in then, when you and Rosenquist and Lichtenstein all were working very independently of each other, but evolving a same kind of attitude. Does that seem odd to you, that uh, you all began to look at the world in the same way? Um, I think we just read a lot of uh, comic books. And it just happened to come out then. Well, because comic books make things... Uh, uh, the way they are really today. I mean, the way things happen in New York now, it's like being in a Western movie. But they all worry because we winners, or probably because they missing all their suppers and their dinners. They must think I'm monkeys out here running with gorillas. I'm just trying to make sure I'm comfy on my summers and my winners. Brushing off the splinters, working like a slave to add some commas to my figures. Struggle to the villas. I don't think I slept in like two days. 22 candles getting lit. I need a hip hop and hooray. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Blank Canvas podcast proudly presents to you Chapter 2. So, hello, welcome back. This is Chapter 2 of the Blank Canvas podcast, uh, a new series brought to you by myself, Nathan Tuft, a.k.a. Nats. Uh, And first of all, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that tuned into the first chapter. Uh, I've been getting some really positive feedback via email and via Twitter. So thank you to everyone that listened and has tuned in and given some really great feedback as well. So thank you very much. So, let's get into Chapter 2. For our main interview, we sat down with Artist Pins to talk about his inspirations in art, how he first got into the craft, and the meanings behind his latest project entitled No Face Like Phone, which looks at society's obsession with social media and technology. As always, we sat down with Dobby from Represent Radio to talk about all the news from the UK music scene. Uh, And we talked about everything from Wiley going pop to the BBC Sound of 2017 music list. You may notice this week that we don't have our regular segment with our agony aunt Ola. Um, Unfortunately, we were unable to meet Ola this week, but don't worry, she will be returning for chapter three. So make sure you tune in for that. But until then, let's get into the show. All right, so we are here again with Dobby to round up all the UK news from around the UK. So, Dobby, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all, not too bad at all. So, let's just get into it. So, yeah. what have you bought me today? So, the Sounds of 2017 list from BBC, and in fact, just the sort of like, you know, these are the hot picks for 2017 lists coming out, because you know, we're coming to the end of the year, and people want to be select championing people who they think are going to be massive for the next year or so. Um, but the thing is, is like, there's been a lot of talk recently about like, the sort of relevancy of these lists. Um, and in particular the sort of picks that people are picking, these are generally artists who have had kind of like a big breakthrough within 2016 and seen relatively sort of like mainstream success. Ready to blow. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence because I love championing people. That's what I'm, I'm known for. That's what I do on my show and represent. But I love championing people who haven't had a look in before. So it's like when you see people like Dave and AJ Tracy and Nadia Rose getting onto the sounds of 2017 news, yes, of course it's sick, but what is the relevancy? Would Dave have had a look in if he didn't get the Drake feature? In terms of the list, and like I said, we, we always come to that point in December time where all the big publications will start looking at lists and sort of who's hot, who's not. And we've seen them from, uh, like I said, BBC's on MTV and people like that. And for me personally, 
I think what it does is it sort of puts artists in a box. Mm. So, you know, only these artists will be relevant in 2017. I think it excludes a lot of other people. Yeah. I think it's a great shout out for someone like BBC to put AJ Tracy, Dave, Steph Londona, I think yeah. is uh, one of the biggest surprises. Yeah. All loved Steph. But it's, um, I think, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on an artist. And I think what it will do is that when we do look to 2017, I think by January, we would have forgot this list even exists. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's hot for the moment. It's great publicity for the outlet and the artist. But where does that continued support happen throughout the year? Yeah, 100%. And it's just like, again, I think one of the biggest surprises was Steph London. And I think for her, this will be a great opportunity to kind of like get more out there and get people to know who she is and what she does because I think what she does is brilliant but you know for the people like Nigel Rose Ray Black AJ Tracy you know it's just kind of like as you said we'll forget about it by this time next year I mean we were, we were looking over the long list for last year some names on there there were no, some names on there there were yeah. some massive names on there like Section Boys Weston Miramasa Nao Jack Garrett but Again, we forgot that they were all on that list, but they've all had massive, ma- a massive year in music. I think it's one of those. I think what what would be great is sort of like people like Dave and AJ Tracy maybe put on them in the list of people that have done well in 2016 and yeah. celebrate what they've already done. And you know, not to create predictions because I think and maybe I, I can't pick anyone out of the 2016 list, but or the 2017 list. But is you know, will this sort of extra hyper media put extra pressure on an artist to to blow and you know if we look at it pull back to December 2017 are we going to look back and talk about these same artists in the same way that's where I get sort of lost in it in terms of where they're going from there and I feel exactly the same I feel like you know we should just let artists be and like you know if 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 it is meant for them it's meant for them like you cannot always be like oh yeah this is the person this is who it is because then what happens in Jay Hoss's case, he was on the Sounds of 2016 list. He has had a massive year, but he's also had a massive fallback on with what's happened with him. It's just like you cannot always predict an artist's predicament. And I feel like just let the artist be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think let the artist be. And I think actually it would have been great to see AJ, Tracy and Dave on the list last year. Yeah. And 100%. then if they, you know, if they had got had great success, AJ, Tracy with a mobile, Dave with the Drake feature... Then we could look back and say, wow, that was a great prediction. But, you know, now we're going to look at 2017. I think that there's a younger underground crop of artists that we should be talking about in 2017. 100%. And like I said, this is no disrespect to any of the artists. And I think it's actually a great list. Yeah. And it's quite one of the most diverse lists I've seen. Yeah, no, 100%. I think this um, 2016 list and the 2017 list has been very reflective. And it's it's nice to have diversity, especially after what we spoke about in the previous podcast the lack of diversity it feels like a great step forward yeah so fingers crossed like I said big up all the artists that have been featured on any of these lists but yeah don't let that be the be all and end all of yeah. person's career you define your success at the end of the day jeez I, I like that's that what I like we're that. getting at. it's a nice sign off I like yeah. that, I like that. Um, and I think moving on um, an artist that was definitely hot on everyone's lips in 2016 Frank Ocean um and he's just announced two dates that he's doing, and one of them is headlining Lovebox Festival in 2017. 
Um, and there was a lot of chitter-chatter about it on the timeline. And a lot of it confused me. I saw a lot of people saying, like, oh, like, is it even worth me getting a ticket? Will Frank even show up? I mean, when he did concerts back in 2012 around the Channel Orange era, he did do a couple dates, I think, at Hammersmith Apollo. And as far as I, I, I knew, he did turn up. He turned up. He, he turned up. He turned up to wireless as well in 2012. So, you know, I have faith that he will turn up. Where's this, where, where, where do you think this sort of reputation's come from? In terms of actually not turning up for events and sort of being I don't know, untrustworthy. I think, I think I think what people are forgetting or because we're we're getting used to a culture now where everything is like drop now, drop now, drop now, do this date, do that date, you gotta be here, you gotta be at this event, you gotta network with these people, be here. That people are forgetting Frank is an artist who likes the mysteriousness so he if, he, himself it, if yeah. he if he has to take four years out to create new music to go through new experiences to be within himself to be present in the moments to create the the albums blonde and um the sort of like pre-visual album he he'll do that so it doesn't mean that when he has a contractual agreement he won't show up he will but i just feel like he's very picky with what he does and i feel like love box is a great fit for him I think there was rumours of him who about actually living in London, and if that's true, I think, you know, why not? Why not Lovebox? It's one of the, the staple London festivals, and I feel like he'll be well-received there by a crowd, and I can't wait for it because I've already got my ticket. I'm a, I'm Copped him, quick. Yeah, I'm a Frank stan, so... <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, uh, obviously, when, when, when the news was dropped, mm. you know, I think I was hearing things, you know, the tickets were selling, selling, selling. Yeah. Do you think, and like I said, he, he has managed to build this fantastic reputation for himself in the UK. Yeah. Especially when the project dropped, you know, when, you know, people were queuing all night to sort of get their copy. Yeah. Do you think that he will live up to the expectation when he actually steps out, if he does step out, which I believe he will, yeah. at Lovebox next June, do you think he will live up to all that hype and expectation? I think so. I think with festivals... You kind of have to leave your expectations at home and just be present in the moment. I feel like this is where a lot of the UK festivals have let themselves down. And in particular, I'm looking at like Reading and Leeds and I'm looking at Wireless. It's all become about, okay, I'm here and I'm going to show off that I'm here and it's all about me being here. You're not, actually, you're not actually being present in the moment and you're not actually going to see who you want to see. It's all about like, okay, I've got this outfit on, I'm going to see this people. I've got a nice flower crown. Yeah, and it's just like... It's, it's, it's about the music and it's, it's about being immersed and, you know, being surrounded by fellow music lovers. And I think, you know, it's, you'll make of it what you want to make of it at the end of the day. And I know that I'm going to be there having the time of my front life. Front row, you're going to get there, you're going to queue up. I don't know, I don't know if I can do front row. I've had bad experiences at front <laughs> rows at festivals. So, but, you know, as long as I've got a nice little section in the middle where I can, like, dance and be, be working. Be in be, the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Are there still tickets available? I think so. I think I think there are. There's, How much are they going for? I think they're going for forty nine fifty, which is That's not quite bad, cheap for a festival. Which is not bad. When that you think about cheap. wireless costing you like 70 quid a ticket. That's ridiculous. It's not that bad. And well, get down to Lovebox, man. See Frank, Frank is Olsen. a generational artist. And, and like I said, because of the type of artist he is, this could be a sort of... I know he's got the other date, but this could sort of be a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, how often is he going to come to London exactly. and do these shows? So exactly. So if it's you're like, a Frank fan, get down. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, even if they have sold out, I'm sure that there will be extra release too. Release, all good. And the last 
thing we got to touch upon is Wiley. Um, now, there's been a lot of sort of like, again, on Twitter, um, sort of like sayings about, you know, where's Wiley's album? You promise, you know, the album dropping in September and it, September's come and gone and it's not here. Um, and he recently said that, you know, um, one of his best mates, who he loves dearly, turned around to him and said, oh, no, you're, you're Wiley, you should be doing the chart stuff. Like, you shouldn't be doing a Grime album. Like, Grime doesn't sell, is it? Like, Grime doesn't sell, blah, 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 blah. But Wiley was saying, like, yo, look, like, P Money's just dropped an album. Kano's dropped an album. Skepta's dropped an album. JME's dropped an album. Grime isn't album selling genre Definitely. now like um and then skepta kind of waded into the discussion recently um saying like yo i don't know why wiley has this person around him let alone calling them his best friend and it's it's true i feel like you know we've we've got a culture now where it's just like we're looking at what's hot what's selling what what can we make the quickest buck off so your friend's intention might be intending for you to eat but creatively are they supporting you i think i think it's, it says a lot i think i think one it says a lot about the type of artist that wiley is yeah i i would expect uh wiley to be someone you know however you know how long deep he is in his career now to have that expectation of himself and believe in himself and have yeah. that confidence but it says a lot that he looks to his friends around him sort of get that support you imagine that a lot of them do give that support but it just shows if one person is quick to knock him down, he's obviously taken that quite personally and it's had an effect on him. I also think it says a lot about what the grime... We talk about grime, like I said, a grime is selling albums, but Skepta, JME, Kano, to an extent, they're known to sort of more casual fans yeah. of grime. And I think that's what Wiley is trying to balance. Yeah. You know, to, to anyone that loves grime or knows enough about grime, they know Wiley is the godfather. Yeah. But... For casual fans who maybe got into it in 2014, 2015, maybe they don't know that much about Wiley. Yeah. And I, I want to see the album, and I think it will be interesting if he does drop it to see what he actually delivers. Yeah, and I think this, I think this also raises questions, and I think it it did kind of make people look at their own inner circle and see like, okay, who's actually here for me or not? And it's really weird because I was I was speaking to a lot of my industry friends. And we all kind of feel like 2016 was kind of that year where you're just kind of looking and you're building and you're seeing, okay, who's actually down for me? Who's here for me? Who's, who's here for the long haul? Who's just here to say hi and bye? Figuring out who you can trust, who you can't trust, who's going to be there for you, who's supporting you, who isn't. And, yeah, it's just like, as you said, like, I agree with you, to a casual listener, they might not know who Wiley is, but... I don't know. I feel like we underestimate the listeners and, you know, their ability to, pardon me, to go back and do research and stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, if a casual listener did want to know who Wiley was, I'm sure they can easily go into Google, YouTube, whatever, and see the amount of work that he has put into his tremendous career because he is, he is the godfather. He's the man, he's the man. And, you know, when you have the likes of Skepta and... Kano and JME and all of the scenes sort of like being behind Wiley you know natural curiosity is going to be like okay who is Wiley why are they calling him the godfather and you know I, I do think 
you know, his album will sell. It may not sell to the extent of K&O or Skepta, but it will sell. I think it'll definitely be top 20. I think for me, looking at Wiley and his sort of album capability, one of the first ever grime albums I bought on vinyl was Treading on Thin Ice. Mm. And like that album to me was seminal, you know, just as much as Boy in the Corner. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what he needs to get. He needs to get that core yeah. sound behind him, like Skepta did with Konnichiwa and Kano with Made in the Manor. Those sort of real authentic sounds, you know, and he, does, he doesn't need to go, but yeah. I don't want to hear wearing my Rolex again. I, no. don't, I don't need that Wiley. No. We want the Wiley that we saw on what do you call it, on Pies. That's yeah. the sort of Wiley we want. We want the sort of, the person that believed in himself and was instrumental in building the scene. No, 100%. And, you know, as we said, it's like we're coming to an era now where it's like the, the sort of like sounds that would have been regarded as sort of like cult classics are now becoming the mainstream. So all props to Wiley. I think he can do it. And I, I think, you know, he... He needs to believe himself, and it's it was it was nice to see the scene actually like tweeting him and being like, "Yo, we've got your back on this. Like, do it." Being supportive, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So it was nice to see, hundred percent. Please don't go pop, right? Please, 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 Wiley, please. <laughs> All right, so that is rounding up our UK music news for this week. Dobby, if people want to catch you online, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on all the socials at Witches Brew with two Zs, and they can also find me on Represent Radio every Tuesday between the hours of 7 pm and 9 pm. Sometimes making bread can be a recipe for disaster. When was the last time you fed your soul? And didn't your parents teach you to always finish your plate? I think we can all agree that slavery's still alive, but we're just concealing it. Cause maybe it's easier to admit to defeat the truth we're afraid to admit to ourselves. So instead we carry on digging our own graves. What made you want to become an artist? What made me become an artist? Alright, so um, what made me want to be an artist? Um, I think I think it was a decision based on the whole thing of like, raw. like I didn't just decide to become an artist. I was more curious about how art gets its value. Like, how does how does this painting over here, you know, how is this twenty grand? Like, how is it ten grand? How is it? Where does the value come from? And then one day I just went to, I, I thought like, okay, cool. That question in my mind just popped up. And then I just like next day I went straight to a May- Mayfair gallery, one of the Mayfair galleries down Dover Street, and um, I went into a gallery and and. There was a guy there just sitting down, and I walked in. There was all these flamingo paintings, and they were dope. They were really cool paintings. They were like 15 grand, 20 grand, you know, like nice prices, you know what I'm saying? And then I thought, right, bro, how did, how, I spoke to him, and it turned out to be the artist. Wow. I'm like, bro, like normally like in a gallery, there's, there's normally an assistant, or there's someone else. And then he just told me, well, like, I've been in the game for like 20 years. He was kind of, he's not the young, he's not the youngest, but he's not the oldest, so he's like kind of middle-aged sort of thing, but youngish, mm. youngish. I youngish. Say, if he's listening to this, <laughs> I'll say very young, he's a very young, yeah, he's a, he's a good friend now. And um, so basically, he, um, he just filled me in, like, he's been in the game for 20 years, and obviously you just have to hustle, and you have to get your, your price goes up every other year, you know, it just goes up a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of like, if he's been in the game for 20 years, I've done some calculations in my head, I'm like, right. That, that makes sense to a degree because if you, you know, you're, it's, it's all intrinsic value as well. Like the value comes from somewhere else. Like in art, it's just, it's just subjective most of the time and it just comes from 
you know, your hustle, your profile, building up your credibility and all that stuff. And they just like, filled me in on a couple of little key points and I, I walked away like, right, that's dope. You know, I've got that. Um, and then the next day he just got in touch with me. I'm like, right, because I'd done graphic design at the time. Okay. And then we just linked up, went for a little sandwich and thing, I think, some food. And um, we just kind of got a vibe. And ever since then, we've just been kind of cool. He's been like a bit of a mentor to a degree. And he just kind of just um, opened up a little door for me to, to that's when I got the, um, the BT, I was, um, I've done a BT, British Telecom done a, a whole thing with the Olympics. They uh, selected 12 artists from the UK to, to take part in a, in a, in a whole um, thing with the Olympic Games. It was a whole body of work basically uh, from each, each of the established artists to put forward um, which were inspired by the Olympic Games. Okay. And I was one of them artists. What did you do? I'd done a whole, this was basically when I was just getting into art, for example, just realizing, okay, cool, so I can do this graphic thing, let me just put it into this whole art realm. Um, I just done a couple of snippets of work, um, a couple of, um, what's it, um, acrylics on paper, one, two canvases, um, just inspired by my take on the Olympic Games at the time. And I put that forward, got selected, so I became one of the 12 artists. Wow. And this was in the space of a couple of months. And what sort of, reg what sort of recognition did you get off, off the back of that? Bro, like, basically, if you imagine, if you just decide to become an artist, and the next thing you know, one, two months after, you're exhibiting in a couple of galleries around the country, that's dope. You, you, know, you know that just happened like that. And I just rode the wave ever since. Okay. So basically off of that, it was like, okay, cool, we showed in, um, where was it? Like, um, we showed in different parts of the UK. My memory's going crazy, but it's, I saw my first painting in Manchester, which was mad. Wow. Right, that was nuts. It was one of the BT um, um, people. It was I'm one of sell it for Not even a lot, but five <laughs> bills, like five bills, but the thing not is- Not a lot. No, nah, five bills ain't a lot, really, because the thing is, yeah, uh, a percent, 50% of that goes to the um, gallery. Okay. If you didn't know that. No, I didn't right, know that. Right, right, so See? this is the thing. Tell, tell us about the industry, man. And that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, there's a couple, couple things, but more time it's about 50% to the gallery and then 50% to the artist. And there's a VAT as well on top. On clear. Yeah, so it's a, bit, it's a bit iffy. So it ain't as clean cut sometimes. Mm. It's know? not five bills in your pocket. Nah, nah, nah. nah. Unless it's your gallery, and, yeah. but then you still got overheads and stuff. But anyway, but the main thing is, yeah, so next time you see a, a crazy price on a piece, just understand you know where your money's going yeah just understand though the artist ain't gonna pocket all of that entirely mm. all the time so there's gonna be like um, times where you know it'll be some crazy 10 G's or something on the on the price tag and you're like right this artist is getting away with doing that but no really if you do the track record though look back into the artist and see what they've what done actually ends up you in know there's a reason why the, money, the price is that much because you know more time is that the artist has a track record of selling at that, t at that price if not less or more or whatever but then, obviously, if it's in a gallery, they'll always take about 40, uh, 50, 40, 60% off that. But then, to be fair, a good gallery, it'll be a, you need to have a good gallery, um, a good relationship with the gallery, because the thing is, if they're working for you, they're putting out the marketing, they're doing this, they're doing that, then that's cool, you know? Makes sense. It makes sense, but if as an artist, you're doing most of the work and the gallery ain't really put in their, pulling their weight, then it's like, no, no, I want a bit more. I want 60, I want 70%. I want, you know, eight. you know what I'm saying. So it works like that. But I think um, a good, there's, there's loads of good galleries out there. I think um, it's just finding the right one that fits you as an artist. So after that, anyway, I saw my first painting in Manchester. There's a couple other galleries around the country where we exhibited. University of Sussex, they bought um, 
one of my biggest pieces, um, which was like a um, like a Nike Air Max stuck on canvas with um, like it's called leopard print, and um, that sold for like a nice a nice amount, and um, and then basically they put it part of their collection, so that's part of their whole collection. So so I can say I'm part of that. And this was you got to think this was my second painting sold, and I've never sold before like art. Oh, like artwork, like on canvas sort of thing. Um, I thought that was dope. And then come to London now, got with a gallery down in London, and they actually represent me um, to this day. Um, and um, Clarendon Fine Art, so they 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 um, they represent me based off of the fact that the work's been selling at quite a consistent rate down there. And I think because London, the one guy bought about four works in just one hit. Wow. And um, so that obviously the gallery kind of sees that. They're like raw, like okay, cool. There's something there. They see you the know? worth in you as well. They see the worth and they see the fact that okay, cool. Who is this guy? Like, who is this guy? Pins. Like, what's he about? You know, he hasn't got like a track record of showing or anything, and he's just come onto the scene and like, boom, he's just done this, he done that. And I think it's more of a thing of like, you need to be like, just be aware of like, okay, cool. Let's let's give this person a shot and just see what's gonna come out of it. And I think nah, thank thanks to the gallery for doing that. I mean, it's it's a great great thing to have behind you um so um ever since then i've just been kind of putting out art doing a couple of shows done a couple of solo shows with them i've done some independent little moves in the game um and that's it it just kind of and that was about what five five years ago when, when you made that initial decision to say you know i'm gonna try and make it as an artist that's gonna be my career yeah when you kind of went back and told family and friends what were their initial reactions and, and did, were, were they encouraging you to kind of pursue that as a career yeah always man like i think my dad he's always um he passed away a couple of years ago funny enough he passed away i think the same year now same year as my first solo show so that's mad because he's been a um a supporter of everything i do like he gave me the tools as i was like young in, in you know art lesson at school and stuff mm. he'd always be the one to like kind of guide me and stuff he was a draftsman himself oh wow so like it's dope so it's in the blood sort of thing so he'd um it always like so, but, but my mum is what I mean my mum now like she's my biggest friend supporter everything you know so like um, but when dad was about obviously he was just like always he would have loved to come to my, my shows and stuff but um, they were mad supportive man I think most of the fact my extended family don't really they didn't used to get the vibe like they oh like you don't go to work like what do you do like, <laughs> what are you doing like, what, you you go to salary, you just paint like, pictures pictures <laughs> like what the hell but now but it's a journey though like the thing is to make something from nothing and then put it out to market, that's the greatest thing because the thing is, there's no guarantee. There's like a, an unsurety of what you're doing. But the main thing what I'm learning over time and whatever, you find your thing, you become a thing, then you share a thing. You know, you, 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 you share that's your philosophy. thing. Now, but it's real talk. Like, and the thing is before, as I said, I just, I just ran with it. So you find out what works and then do more of what works and try and blow that up just try and blow it out there and um, and that's it you just learn a lot though you know you sort of see what people are doing and how they're doing it and then you say okay I'm going to go in my lane and do that and then boom that's it in, t- in terms of learning then what have you found your sort of biggest obstacles to be you know your kind of your, your biggest challenges while trying to kind of make this as a career um, the challenges is basically to find a way to make your art work for you you know like as opposed to just you know like just trying to find Trying to systemize yourself, trying to si- create a system which works for you, and I think in the early days I'm like trying to find out when I was 
because I'm trying to be a creative, but then you need to be a bit business minded as well. Because the thing is, like, if you're creative all day long, your work ain't gonna get seen, it ain't gonna get out there. So I think to manage, like, finding out when my creative vibes were in the day. So what I've learned is I used to be more creative at night, and more ideas came to me where you know they just come to me. I used to bang them out. I used to do painting and stuff all at night, and then in the mo- I was just sleep till twelve, and then just sort of like get up, catch up to admin stuff and emails and stuff. But the most challenging thing I will say, yeah, is just finding your work balance, like switching off as well. Like I find switching off a bit mad. It's only recently I've just like gone to bed at the same time every day and waking up at the same time because it's so important because to have that kind of body your body clock in check it keeps you kind of more productive longer when you're up keeps you sane as well keeps you sane bro and before I was burning out every day just knocking out doing, you know, doing paintings doing this doing that getting them out trying to find a way to make this work um, but yeah the biggest challenge is finding your work balance like how you work and just making that productive as possible so, yeah. it sounds like before like it was a more of a sort of short term release you know in that night you were creating a picture that was great yeah. but then how did that affect you long term whereas now it seems yeah, to be a yeah. bit more you've got that forward thinking bruv you have to because the thing is yeah if you want to do this for the rest of your life yeah you've got to make sure you're alive you have to yeah you have to make sure you're alive to do that you, you know what I'm saying so it's it gets to a thing where if you could do this as a sun, you could be a Sunday painter and just knock it out here and there right and just have a normal uh, how we say a normal job um, but that's not me <laughs> Skeptical words like that's not that's me. Not me. I know, and it's just you have to be real to yourself and say, look, if I want to make this work, you need to think more like a brand. You need to think like a business. You need to think like, okay, cool. I've got this product. I've got this thing. How am I gonna put it out there? And just get serious about your stuff, and then it'll work out for you, man. Just it's that energy you put out is what you get back in. So that's what it is now. So your latest ex- exhibition, mm-hmm. No Face Like Phone, yeah. kind of looks at societies. I, I, I use the term obsession with sort of social media and sort yeah, of handheld yeah, yeah. devices. Yeah. For you, was there a specific time or moment that spurred you to kind of decide that's where you were going to take this sort of new... Yeah, yeah, the new route sort of thing. Mm. I think it was the thing where two years ago I was literally at a friend. I, I, not at a friend. I was at dinner with a friend. And um, Nando's, funny enough. Like, I was at Nando's. Nice. And, um, yeah, very nice. Um, and um, it's, um, she was on her phone. We had a chicken in front of us just... You know, look, you know, good, good to get involved like with the chicken. And basically, what happened was, the she was on her phone, just on the on the how we say social media vibe, just like updating this. I'm with pins, doing this, eating this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, don't get me wrong. Photographing the chicken and all that. of the angle shots. You know what I'm saying? But then it got to a point where I thought, come on, man, just eat your food, man, chill out. But then she was actually on it, like she was just on getting this. All this stuff, the and I was, picture yeah, yeah, but that. don't get me wrong, like, I, I, we're all guilty of that, yeah, to a degree, right? But at the same time, I thought, like, right, she was on it a bit, a bit too long. Then I, then it just, I don't know what happened was, it just made me question how, how real and how real and honest our connections are when we're together, right? But our attention is so divided sometimes, and I think um, you could be so in the moment, but so out of it. You, you, does that make sense, yeah. right? So then I, I don't know what happened. It just triggered me and said, look. I need to do something with this because I was observing people around me and just, you know, we do a little people watching, whatever. And like, I thought, like, right, no one's actually, like, it seems like everyone's getting further apart. And then as an artist, obviously, I'm just, my whole inclination is to observe and see what's around me so I can put out what I put out. And um, then it just made me, I thought to myself, like, right, I need to do a whole body of work. 
based on this because it'll be dope and it'll wake people up to the truth to a degree and get people more connected so um, that's what happened and then what happened was literally mad it's mad but a week later i got the opportunity to be an artist in resident in you know the guardian paper right yeah their old hq building oh wow in farringdon so okay. I, I got an artist in resident spot there got a great opportunity there and what happened was i've never painted outside my house like in, in terms of i've never painted other than my studio shed at home yeah so this was a dope opportunity to do my thing and i thought right i'm going to spend the next a year and a half whatever to do a whole body of work based around my my observations on phone culture around me and that's what happened like every day just go in the studio knocking out work i don't know what i was doing at, at some, certain points but i, I knew it's going to work out and i was going to do a six shot at the end of it and then that's what happened so it's about having that sort of you were looking towards the end and saying do you know what i've got this show that i want to be putting on yeah and you know i guess the reality is did every piece you create make the final cut not every piece because there's too many pieces yeah so yeah that's not a bad thing that's almost like you just need to curate your you know when you're when you're doing a whole curation process you need to sort of like select what's going to work and how the narrative's going to align and stuff so it's important to just say okay cool these are the key pieces and this is what i'm going to put out within the space of the of the of where i did it so um yeah it worked out great though looking at some of the pieces obviously there are Mm. some familiar faces there we've got mickey mouse bugs bunny amber rose uh, beyonce Mm -hmm. um for you what do what do you think especially in 2016 is society's again i'll use the word again obsession with sort of celebrity culture and branding i think i think it's a thing where um where it's just consumption it's like okay cool like so if i like something i'm gonna buy it if it's dope i'm gonna buy it right and I'm guilty, man. Look, I used to collect trainers on a regular. Like, I don't even buy no trainers no more. I'm looking at sell. <laughs> You've got enough to. to I don't keep need going. no more trainers. I don't need no more this, that, the other. I've given, mate. If I told you the amount of stuff I gave away to Salvation Army, like designer bits, vintage bits, <laughs> fresh bits, which I could have easily sold, yeah, and got peas. But you know what? I thought, nah. Let me just give it away because that's literally skeptic vibe, isn't it? Yeah, that's not me. I like that. And and I thought, and I thought, um. I, yeah, because, mate, waking up now, I want to be so clear in my thinking. I don't want to have to think, okay, I want to wear this with that, I want to wear this with that. Don't get me wrong, if you're in fashion or whatever you're in, yeah. that's your thing. But my thing is just simplifying now. It's just clearing out all the clutter. Like stripping it back a bit. Stripping it back and literally saying, look, this is me, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to do it. With no, Because, mate, I'm thinking about other ideas all day long, so I need, to, I need clarity in what I'm doing. So um, it just got to a point where I was buying up all this stuff, and I think... People in general, if you, if you see something, you want it. It's like a desire to get something, right? So I think um, I've just put a cap on that now because I'm, I'm trying to use my money to like make a difference now with my art. So I'm trying to invest all my money into my art now to make a positive difference. But then that's just me at the time I'm in now. So, you know, I think people are at different points in their lives, but I think there's a lot of consumerism pushed onto us to a degree as well because like, with the whole Instagram vibe, Facebook, everyone's looking at everyone, everyone else. It's a comparison culture to a degree. So I always say, um, stay aware, don't compare to a degree. Yeah, yeah, you see? That's tagline there. Stay aware, don't compare, because the thing is, what happens is, yeah, you need to be abreast of the situation. You need to be abreast of like, okay, this is going on here, whatever, but don't live your life by that. And just live your life the way you're doing it, because you're totally different to the next person, and you're totally on your, 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 your little wave doing this. So 
That's why I never get jealous or never competitive or whatever of what people are doing. Because okay. I'm building a brand. Like my whole thing is like an art brand. Like it's becoming a thing. But that's because I believe in it, and I've got content. I've got original content. Not many people have that. They have. They get other people's content and dilute it and try and, and make, try and make it their own. And try, yeah, but then nothing is your own, really. What is your own? Like everything comes from somewhere. So then it gets into a deeper thing of like, right, okay, cool. I'm just going to switch off from everything else and just say, look, I'm just going to follow this and do that. And that's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing. So, In terms of <coughs> your pieces, so you, mm. you mentioned before you have, you've sold pieces in the past and especially with this new exhibition, you sold pieces as well. When someone buys a piece of your art right what does that mean to you as someone that's obviously seen it from its evolution and creation yeah, yeah, to yeah. then going into someone else's hands what does that mean to you that, that that is probably the best feeling in the world and especially if um you, you with a gallery or some you know with a gallery when you sell a piece of art more time you can't really how we say have a conversation too much with the person who's bought the art because there's always a bit of a distance you know what I'm saying? Because they want to keep that to themselves, and it was, you know. But more time, you have to organize a cup of tea with the person, and then it's a, there's always someone in the middle. But that's why I had to do the independent show and say, look, I want to meet everyone who comes to my show. I'm going to give everyone a hug at the door and say, look, welcome to my show. If you buy a piece of art, great, cool. Let's talk about any, you know, let's talk about the art. Let's have a conversation. The amount of conversations I had in that show was crazy just about art, life and whatever and how it affected them, like the piece, whatever they bought, you know, why did they buy it? You know, what made them buy it? The is that a thing for you? That's I wanted to know why people buy it. That's, that's a big thing because sometimes as when you're creating art, you do it for yourself first, which I always believe you should do art. When you make art, do it for yourself. You should be, you should be happy to make that piece of work and live with that. If you can't live with it, then that's not your art. Like, you know what I'm saying? So then it got to a point where I was just like, okay, cool, if I'm going to make this, it needs to be for me but then if someone buys that it's like raw cool and then if they buy it why have they bought it what made them buy it and then we have a conversation about it we talk about it have a cup of tea you know ginger snaps and all that and um it is dope and that feeling when someone parts with like two grand one you know couple grand couple hundred fifty pound whatever it is i'll still treat the person who buys a 50 pound piece like a little them canvas blocks i do to, to someone who pays 4G's for it or 5G's I still treat them the same because they parted with their earned money and I, that's the best feeling I want to feel that for the rest of my life like real talk like that's having a conversation delivering my art and that's it it's one of the most important it's, things it's, it's an amazing feeling man again talking about money I know you're, you're quite a keen believer in you know if people don't have all the money up front you know you're happy to work out payment plans yeah man work yeah, yeah. and you know, the reality is, is that, in, especially in modern society, we don't all have disposable money to be no, no, no. blowing on art. Yeah. So, for you, why was that, a, you know, because it's something that you believe in, in terms of being able to yeah, yeah, let yeah. people afford it and things like that. Bro, listen, in this art game, it's like, it used to be, well, all I saw was money. I just saw money everywhere, this, that, the other. And I thought, nah, it needs to be more than that. It needs to be about, like, flexibility of, like, okay, saying, like, you see your five grand price tag on that piece of work. And you look at the work, you're like, ah, oh, that's so dope, but I can't afford it. And I used to get like that, because I want to buy big works, like 10Gs, 20Gs, I'm like, rah. But then I thought, nah, like, let's not dilute the market. Let's just say, look, let's just give an ulterior thing, um, ulterior motive, like, okay, cool. If you can't afford that, I'll be like, okay, cool. Let's work out a, prime, um, um, a payment plan to say, okay, cool. Maybe over three months, 
maybe if you can afford a couple this that the other um, so then I put that into place and then I've sold a couple pieces just from doing that you know to young young professionals mm. who basically you may not have that money all yeah, out yeah, straight yeah, away yeah 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 just even yeah and, and the, then you give them that choice and then it opens up another segment saying look they can have the kind of people that you want to sell your art to I would like to say is everyone but it's not everyone there's a, sometimes there's a, you need to find your market you need to find out who your art caters for and then you just find it you just find a flexible approach to do that and then you've got the screen prints which are on the hundred level you know hundreds and stuff um, it gives another you know then you've got the naught to 50 area and then you've got so you've got different price brackets but then I want to be accessible but exclusive and that's what yeah see you know it works. it's very inclusive as well you know yeah, yeah. If, you know yeah you're right you can't afford the 4G piece right now yeah. but, you know still take something away still yeah, yeah, yeah. feel like you've got that little bit of yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So you, you, you're kind of like um, giving people a choice, but not too much, but just enough to the point where they, they don't have to say, you know, you go to a, a show and they've got like 10 G pieces, 20. Some of them ain't even have, have, have got prices on. Is it, is it, they say like ask, they, you have to ask. Yeah, them, but then they, that's a different market. That's just like a whole nother, that's just, a, there's different markets in art. And I'm thinking like, right, I just want, all I want to do is just be approachable I want to have a conversation and say, look, if you can't afford this, but then understand why the price is that. I want to educate people as well. Like, I haven't just lumped on a five grand price tag. There's a reason. There's a reason why, because the arts, you know, there's always a reason why things are the way they are. Some people are just greedy for money and they just, they just see how far they can stretch it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to be real transparent and just say, look, I'll educate the person before they make a purchase or I'll just educate them like, you, you understand the value you know the value of, of what this is and nine times out of ten they would understand not many after people, actually having a conversation yeah, yeah after having a conversation and it's like um, most of the time it's just a little little talk having a convo and just talking about stuff but I, I think that yeah I don't money and art can be a very tricky thing because it can put people off it, you know if it's not too if it's not this price, then oh, it's not worth that. It's not worth anything. So it's or, actually the flip side. So actually, it's, the, it's not. It's not enough money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get, but then you got different people, man. And I thought you can't cater for everyone. So all you need to do is just be real and honest with what you're doing. Put out what you want to put out, and and whatever will come back will come back. Just you just go forward. Um, when I came down to the show, um, mm. we, had, we had the speakers in the corner blasting out some OG classic grime, and we, and we had a bit of conversation, and we were talking about you know this lack of you know art slash grime curated events. Yeah. For boom. you, yeah. What, what do you think needs to happen to make these things happen? I think just just get out of there and make it happen. I'll be real. That's all it is. I mean, just getting the people that are down to do this thing, um, just to get how we say. The, the dope artists, the dope grime heads, and just get them all together, and just, just because you got to understand, like right now, there's, a, there's there's something bubbling which is crazy. It's already bubbling, like very, like it's 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 on a on a level where we've got something very unique in terms of the fact that like London's got its own flavour, you, you know, and people are jumping onto that now. So it's all about just getting connecting up with the like-minded heads and saying, look, let's let's take what we've got, which is dope, and just give it to the people and just doing a very cool way like you know it's just um that's all that needs to happen just linking up more but doing more like dope curated events you know which should just combine art grime you know combinations of just like throw a bit of jerk chicken in it. i don't know some food elements but not too much but just sticking to the, to the true art of, of london culture and just putting it out there 
you know, it's almost encapsulating that and just putting it out there. But yeah, just linking up more and just putting it out. So, yeah. so we, we talked about the show, obviously the initial show had the one week run, mm. that finished, mm. but thankfully we've got a new space, we've got a new space now, yeah. so it's going to run from the 8th of December to the 22nd of January. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how did that sort of link up come about in terms of getting it displayed somewhere new? Yeah, so basically I've always at the back of my mind, I thought like, see this show, I want to do it, it's like a transferable show, so I want to basically take that show take to different parts of the globe like just to see what reactions we get just off, off of doing that and I think um, the logistics are mad to do that but, but I'll, I'll figure, figure it out but what it is with this thing now like so I've done the independent thing in um, Tottenham Court Road and so on I've done that show there then what happened was one of the guys from Digitas LBI he um, good guy John Ackaway um, he basically um he just saw a poster up in um, up in Shoreditch, and um, and he just like he just got in touch and he said, "Look, like, would you like to come and display your 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 exhibition over here?" And I thought that it was cool. But then I, I always do my background check. Like I always find out who's who the people are and what whatever. And it seemed like a good fit because it was like a tech creative tech agency, and they're kind of like innovative in how they do stuff and very. It's, it's a great agency, and um, I thought, okay, cool. Um, towards the end of the show at my other space, it got more busier towards the sixth day, like the last day. I came on the last day, and right, it, was, so UK, it was bubbling. It was bubbling, and I thought, like, I've spent all that pee on, on like, a week long, right, in a great location, but then I thought, I need more, man. I need another space. Um, but then I can't spend too much. Like, I, well, I can't spend anything because I pumped everything into this. And then... Um, it just so happens that um, John provided a space for a chunk of time and a great space. You know, it's a great space down Brick Lane, bang in the middle of Brick Lane. I used to run, I used to do all the all the markets down there way back, selling T-shirts and stuff. And so Brick Lane for me, like that's where I kind of started out my little all the clothing hustle. Like so it's all like perfect cycle. Yeah, yeah, around. yeah. And the funny thing is, first initially I didn't want to do the show in Shoreditch because I thought it's too typical. It's such a weird thing how things happen, right? Because I thought everyone's going to expect it to be in Shoreditch. I don't want to do it in Shoreditch. I want to do it. At, I want to do it in Soho because I like Soho. I like the vibe, media agencies and all that. Um, and now what's happened is it just took me back to where I started off doing all my shows, and you know it's crazy. So um, you know it's going to be it's going to it's going to be dope. For, pe- be dope. for people, people that you, you know, if, if your sort of pitch, if, if you could sell it to someone, you know, that's maybe on the fence about coming down, what would you say is the main reason they should come down and see the show? You should come to see this show, to see something totally fresh, totally dope, totally different, and it's going to make you think. It's going to make it make you think about your life in a very positive way, though. It will do. I remember when I was yeah, down yeah, there, yeah. I actually felt bad about pulling out my phone <laughs> and taking pictures because nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that you, you know you, you're in that reality where mm. you know maybe we are connected to our phones a little bit too much. But I yeah. remember talking to you and you yeah, said yeah. you encourage it. You want this message to be shared, bro. Listen, I, I want to use the how we say when people come into the, when people came into the show that I've done, uh, most people were nervous about taking out their phones. Like, what can we take our phone out? And I'm like, yes, of course. I want you to use your the platform of the phone to inform, because what I'm saying is, you know, I'd rather you share that than some dumb bullshit content 
which is on, <laughs> yeah. which is, which Share is, my stuff, which that's is, but don't get me wrong, like, you know, like, there's a lot of funny stuff online, like, there's a lot of funny stuff, and I get sent loads of things, and, stuff, <laughs> and I have to get off WhatsApp groups just to get my mind back on work, because I'm getting inundated with all this, this, this quick fix. Group, group chats are the worst. Yeah, yeah, they are, so I have to just ungroup myself, and then it's just, <laughs> it just gets to a point where, okay, cool, like, I want to use now, okay, the phones, I'm aware of how much I use my phone. I'm trying to say, look, use your phone. It's blessed. Like, use your phone. That's the whole... It's a great thing, man. Like, but just have a little switching off time, I guess, to to, to re, realign your thoughts and just get back on track sometimes because we can get too caught up in the, the whole... The matrix, you know, you know, all that stuff. And, and, you know, so just switch off to switch on to a degree. So, yeah. In terms of advice then, you know, speaking and you know, especially this year, I, I've seen personally again, we talk about social media, on the timeline, on Instagram, people are, seem to be doing a lot more pushing their art. For people that, you know, are on the come up and aspiring to, you know, be in the place where you are at now doing shows, if you could sort of impart one bit of sort of crucial advice, what would it be? Push it never stop. And that's what PIN stands for, that P-I-N-S, push it never stop. Like, you, all, you, you, all you have to do is just take your thing and patience and persistence will take you the distance. Like, that's what, that's all it is. But yeah, you have to kind of have that core belief. Um, there's not just one thing. I can't say this is, this is what it is. But you need to have that core belief in what you're doing. Stop looking at other people because that ain't you. Just stay aware and don't compare. That real talk, that's, that's what it is. And just be having a good support network. You know, we need growth people, like growth-orientated people around us. Because what happens is if you're around the same mix of people and you ain't really elevating and trying to... You ain't getting to where you need to get to. You need to get rid of those people. Leave them behind if they take up your time. So, yeah, I've got a couple of them. So this is the thing. So, But it's just, man, it's just having that sort of desire to basically grow and get to the next level. And not being too hard on yourself when you don't make it, when you, you thought you were going to make it. Kind of understanding that it will happen. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But every great thing takes a long time to kind of do the foundation, do the groundwork to work the ground. You, 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 know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're full of these ones. Yeah, like I, them. I've I got like a couple, bruv. I've got a couple. <laughs> but this is the thing. I'm just getting out there because the people need to know that. Okay, cool. Just focus on you and just just grow your thing. Become a thing and then share your thing. And then... um. Yeah, man, that's it. And then the last question, obviously, going back to the name of the podcast, the, the name of the podcast is Blank Canvas, and, you know, Blank Canvas can mean a million different things to million different people. But for you, what does the term Blank Canvas mean? Starting fresh um, and creating something from nothing. Like, you're literally just, like, starting fresh, and um, you can do anything you want to do right now. Like, there's no excuses to say, I can't do this, I can't do that. You've actually got everything you need at your disposal. You know, um, and that's what it means, man. Just going from starting fresh and creating something from from nothing to something, and then just going from that. So unfortunately, we've come to the end of another week. That was the end of chapter two. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that got involved in our recordings this week and everyone that's taken the time to listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. I just want to give a massive thank you as well to Lights of Soho for letting us use their space to record some of our interviews this week. So thank you very much. I do advise you go down. Uh, but until next time, I will see you in a fortnight for chapter three. But until then, God bless. Peace. There's something that I need from you. That I want for myself Are you in? 